0: I want to ask you to grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 7. We're going to be in our sermon series today called Strong and Courageous, and the idea that our church family is gathering around for a little while right now is that God's calling you to be on mission with Him. God's given you a life and He wants you to live it. He's got a dozen things that He wants to accomplish through you this year, but it's going to take courage on your part. You're going to have to be strong and courageous if you are going to follow the path that God has for you because sometimes it takes a little bit of courage to stand up to the challenges that you face. Now I hope that at the end of this service we get to see kids come down the aisle and tell you about the decisions they made at Bible school but you know what I hope even more than that? I hope that as this sermon progresses God stirs in all of our hearts our grown-up hearts too and that many of us will know what God wants us to do to take our next step on His mission and I hope that today His Holy Spirit will give us enough courage to stand up and do that. That we would leave behind all the things that slow us down. So today we're going to talk about a guy named Achan. And i got to ask this question. As we follow God, what are you going to do when you come to a crossroads? When you face a moment where you have to make a decision between God or something you desire very strongly. Are you going to pursue the Lord? Or are you going to abandon God so that you can chase after some forbidden pleasure. Slow down, because this simple, simple choice happens a thousand times a day. And and I want to say that this very, very simple choice, do I follow God for His honor, His glory, for loving Him, or do I turn my back on Him so that I can pursue some pleasure, some desire, some prize on earth? That choice plagues us. In fact, I want to recommend that for most of us, the real reason that we're not following God is because we would rather have our own pleasures, our own desires than God. And when the two things come in conflict and I have to choose between the glory of God or my own sinful pleasure, more often than not, I cling to my pleasures and turn my back on God. In fact, I'll say this. All over the city today, there are, there are thousands of people who do not follow the Lord. And they've got lots of reasons. Some of those reasons are very intellectual. Some of them are are not as intellectual. They're just more emotional. Some of them are experience-based. But one of the things that I have found over the years, from youth ministry, through ministry to adults and the pastorate, and just through watching my own life and the life of a thousand people around me, one of the things that I've learned is, a lot of the times the reasons we give you for saying that we don't follow the Lord anymore that intellectual challenge, that problem we face, those questions that circulate in culture, that's not the real reason we're not following the Lord. The real reason we're not following the Lord for most of us is because at a certain point in our life, we wanted something that we knew God didn't want us to have, and we chose it. We decided to turn our back on Him so that we could pursue a relationship we knew He didn't want us to have. We turned our back on Him so that we could pursue popularity at a level that we knew He didn't want for us. At some point, we wanted a pleasure. And we knew God didn't want for us. And we turned our back on Him. And as the days turned into months and months turned into years, we started to make up all kinds of reasons for why we're not following Him anymore. But for a lot of us, the truth is, there was a moment when we made a decision to chase something we knew He didn't want for us. So today's story is about a man who is in exactly that spot and his bad decision hurt a lot of people so as we work through the story what we want to do is this i want to call on god to give us strength and courage that if we find ourselves in the shoes of the man that we're reading about today that he would rescue us that god would move us out of this spot that we wouldn't stay stuck and plagued by our own desires but i want to ask today that god would bless every child in the church Every father, every mother, every grandmother, every person, every husband, every wife. I want to ask that God would give us all strength to realize that if we're in a spot right now where we've been chasing some forbidden fruit, and we're really a long way away from God today because of it, that He would give us the courage, the strength to return to Him. To let Him restore what's left of our future. So, let me pray for us, and then we're going to read in Joshua chapter 7. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for the brothers and the sisters who've gathered in your name on this first day of the week. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're celebrating the life that you poured out on us. And God, we're calling on your name today to ask you, please, set us free from the pursuits that have taken us far from you. Father, whether these are things that are simple and innocent or things that are sinful and disgraceful. I pray that today, Lord, you would set us free from them. Put our feet back on a path towards you. I ask that your Spirit, Lord, would flood us and give us hope and give us help. I ask your grace and your blessing on every person that's gathered for worship today as we open the Scriptures. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, we get the idea that some bad news is brewing. I'll read it. It's simple. Here's what it says. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Well, let me set that up and tell you what's happened. Here's what's happened. So, over 40 years ago, all the Israelites were slaves. And they cried out to God, and they asked God for help, and God heard them. Just like God hears you, God heard them. And He rescued them. He got them out of slavery. He brought them through the wilderness, and He created a friendship with them. God made them family for Him. He gave them the Ten Commandments and the Covenant. He became their God. They were His people, just like you're His people and we're His people. Now, here's what happened. After they lacked faith, they were punished and they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses died, Joshua became the leader, and this is where our story finds us. For five chapters in the book of Joshua, the Lord had done miraculous things among the people to give them courage, to remind them that they were His, and to let them know that they were special to Him. And then in Joshua chapter 6, they first faced their first big challenge. They wanted to live in this land that over 400 years ago God had promised to them. And as they took action to try to live there, Jericho stood in their way. A large fortified wall separated them from the reality that they would ever live on mission for God. But in a very peculiar battle that actually looked looked more like seven days of church, they walked around the city and then they praised God. The Lord miraculously gave them Jericho. But he made a very strange rule. Here's God's rule. In Joshua chapter 6, when they fought Jericho's battle, God told Joshua and all the people, here's the deal. He said, I'm going to give you all the promised land. You're about to conquer village after village after village. All the people that won't worship me, you're you're about to take this entire land. Okay? But the very first city you take is Jericho, and I want you to set it apart for me. As an act of worship, as a way to declare that I am holy and I'm your God, as a choice to let you demonstrate that you know that I'm the one that's working here, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to take any of the treasure in the city of Jericho. Don't. Don't touch any of it. Treat it like you would the first fruits from your crops or like your tithes. Treat it as a sacred offering to me. Now, hang in there. I'm going to give you plenty. Be patient. But when you go through Jericho, everything that's there belongs to me. I am a holy God. This is my work. I want that to be an an offering to me. So don't touch it. But according to Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, this one guy named Achan, he couldn't do it. So here's the deal. When Achan got into Jericho, at some point... He saw a Babylonian robe, and it was fine. Ladies, have you ever seen a dress that was just, you got to have it? Well, he saw it. He said, i got to have it. I, I don't know if you all watched the NBA, like uh, all the finals, the post-game interviews. You know, LeBron had that fine suit with short pants. You remember that? And high-top dress shoes. He was looking fly. I couldn't pull that off in Sugarlock, I'd probably be run out of town. But maybe you saw that and you said, I want that, you know? Draymond Green did. He wore the same thing almost next week. Well, when he went into Jericho, he saw this robe, Babylonian robe. It was beautiful, all the fashion, and he wanted to have it. He also saw 200 shekels of silver, so a bag of money. And he also saw a bar of gold. And Achan knew that God told him, don't touch this, let this be a sacrifice to me. Achan's job would have been to collect those things And to take them back to the priest and say, I found this. This belongs to the Lord now. But Achan couldn't do it. Just like you and I, on many occasions, Achan said, man, I I don't think God will mind. And, you know, maybe God was wrong. And nobody's going to know. And what's it going to hurt? And who cares what God said? And gosh, I really want it. I don't care what he said. I'm going to take it. So Achan took the robe the 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold. Now, here's the problem. Let me tell you what happens next. Let me tell you about Achan and Ai. The next battle in Joshua chapter 7 is a tiny little town, Ai. Listen, they just defeated Jericho. Big fortified walls. Now all they've got to do is take Ai. So Joshua sends some scouts. The scouts come back and they say, listen, it, there's no, it's no big deal. I'm telling you, this place don't trouble everybody. I mean, listen, we had to all walk seven times around Jericho and shout yesterday. We're tired. Let let everybody stay home and rest. I think you could send 3,000 guys to that little village, and it's going to be a piece of cake. So we'll be back for biscuits and breakfast, right? Let's just go ahead and get this rolling. So Joshua sends a small little group of people to this tiny little thing. This should not be an obstacle, shouldn't be a challenge. And when the army of Israel gets there, what they did not know is that God wasn't with them anymore. What they did not know is that because of Achan's sin, God said, if you want to disobey me, that's fine, but you're going to do this without me. And it turns out that a bunch of slaves weren't as good of warriors as they thought they were. They got routed. They got put on the run. 36 men were were killed. There were 36 grieving widows and crying families because this tiny little obstacle that was just a molehill cut them down at the knees when God wasn't with them anymore now when Joshua hears this he starts to cry and grieve he calls the elders and they're all mourning and everybody's upset and they start crying out to God Well, what about your name God when people hear that we turned and ran they're gonna slaughter us and then your name is gonna be mocked and God listens to all they have to say and then God says Joshua, somebody disobeyed me. They didn't trust, trust my commands. Somebody stole from Jericho. You find out who it was and we'll settle this and I'll be with you again. Now I want to kind of slow down for just a minute, okay? I want to talk to you about why God left after Jericho. God left because they was, He was disobeyed, dishonored. Now I want to slow down. I want you to think about this for just a minute. Like I know that when we come to church we talk about a thousand things that Jesus taught We talk about family. We talk about lots of things we want to improve about our lives. But fundamentally, what is true about our gathering here is that we believe that God is good and strong and wise. And the fundamental thing for Christianity is that we love God and want to be close to Him. Like, we want His presence. We want to feel like He's watching over our families. We want to believe that we're living step-by-step with Him. We want to know that His power is at work in the church. In short, we want the presence of God. We want to be people that God can bless. If God has called us to do a great work for Him, we want to do it. We want to believe He's with us. We want God to go with us through seventh grade. We want God to be with us in our job. When we're having suffering or trials, we want God there when God's given us a great opportunity or a promotion. We want God there. The fundamental thing about our faith is that we love God and want to be near Him. But the problem is that this is a holy God making a people to Himself, and He gave them a specific command, and He said in Joshua chapter 6, verse 18, that if you take the things that are set apart to me, it will bring trouble on everybody. And Achan said... I don't care what God said. I really, really want this. It's going to be all right. And God left. And now Israel is doomed, and they know it. They can't even defeat AI without God. Now, I just want to kind of stop and ask us, hey, listen, truthfully, are we blessable right now? Like, as we're grandparenting, or while we're moving off to college, or right here in the middle of high school, Are we following God in such a way that He would be near to us? Or are we offending Him at every turn? Like, are we abusing Him to try to get our agenda pushed through with His help? Or are we really submitted to Him? So i got to ask everybody in the church a question today. Can God dwell in your house right now? Can God dwell in our church right now? Are we blessable? So let's talk a little bit more about the story of Ai and Achan. So here's what they do. They basically uh, they call all of Israel together and they just start with the 12 tribes and they decide that okay the tribe of Judah is the guilty tribe. So they get all the elders of Judah together and they say okay well it's this man's household and they get all that man's household and they bring the fathers together and it's Achan. Now and here's the crazy thing is just like you and just like me Aiken knew when the report came back from Ai that God wasn't with us and 36 men died. Aiken's little heart was pounding. Aiken knew it was his fault. And Aiken's not coming forward to say, hey, I'm sorry. I, I want to confess my sin, repent. I'm begging God to forgive me. Aiken's hiding in the background, twiddling his thumbs, hoping that somebody else gets picked by mistake. But when it zeroes in on Aiken, Joshua says man, give glory to the Lord, give Him praise, tell me what you did, don't lie to me. And Achan says, all right, here's what happened. I want you to to turn with me to verse 19 of Joshua chapter 7. So uh, Achan says this. Here's how the exchange goes with Joshua and Achan. Verse 19 and following. So Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel. Honor Him. Tell me what you've done. Don't hide it from me. Well, Achan replied, it's true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. That's Bible language for I really, really wanted them. And then I took them. And they're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath them. You know, here's the, here's the deal is that this process of sin where, where Achan says, listen, I, I saw it and, and, then I, and then I coveted it and I took it and then I hid it. That process right there is repeated in our lives a thousand times. I saw something that I wanted. A, a, a thought popped into my mind and I knew God disapproved. I, I knew what his command was. Adam and Eve look at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God commanded them not to eat of. Or or maybe you see an ad pop up on the side of a website and you think, I should not click that. Or, Or maybe some young man starts to give you attention and you think, I know that he's not the kind of a man that I should be interested in. Or maybe in a thousand other ways, this process comes into your life where you see something and you know it's wrong. But you covet it, you want it really badly. And you take it, and then once you've taken it, you have to hide it. And you feel the guilt and the weight of sin just like Aiken felt. But right there in your house, in the middle of his tent, he hid underneath the floor these things. And maybe in your house there's a thousand skeletons in your closet or mine. Listen, nobody's perfect. Hey, listen, we're clear in this church family, we are all sinners every single one of us. We've all got backstories and baggage. The only thing that we've got going for us is that we know that Jesus Christ has forgiven us at the cross. So if you're a guest in our house today, if you're new to our family, hey, listen, don't think we're beating you up, brother. We just want to set you free with us because we all know that this process has put us to shame a thousand times. But what I do want to say is, listen, listen if you're stuck in this process right now, If you're a college student, a young adult, a mom, a dad, a parent, if you feel like you're far from God today, and one of the reasons you're far from God is because of this cycle, because of some moment where you came to a crossroads, where you saw, you coveted, you took, and now you're hiding from God, I just want to ask you to break it. So Achan tells Joshua and all Israel, this is my story. And the shame of it all is, is that after this, they were destroyed. Achan was killed. All of his possessions were destroyed, his tent was burned, his flocks, his wife and his children, his entire family, which is hard, but in Deuteronomy 24, verse 16, the Bible tells us that God had given a command through Moses that no child would ever be punished for their father's sins. So the implication is that Achan's sons and his family, they knew what was hidden in the tent, and they liked it. That father had influenced his household. The sad thing is at the end of the story, Achan and everybody he was leading, they got exactly what God had warned them they would get. There was a time in Achan's life where he stared at a robe, at some silver and some gold, and he wanted it. And he knew that he had to make a choice. Do I gratify my pleasures, or do I walk with the Lord? And at that moment, he decided that he wanted to be happy With his treasure and far from God and he got exactly what he wanted now he probably didn't count on how many people would get hurt by this here's the crazy thing 36 families in Israel lost the head of their house 36 men were killed in war because Achan brought a curse on them all of Achan's family were destroyed by his sin and here's what that shows me from this story and this is key everybody listen When we willfully commit sin, we say to ourselves, it's my life, it's just going to hurt me, what does it matter? Everybody butt out. But that is fundamentally untrue. Your sin affects everybody that loves you. And you need to realize that your choices, they're passed down and passed around. An easy example is like in Aiken's case. As a father, as a mother... The sins that you willfully embrace are passed down to the next generation. And you have no idea how much damage they'll do. And I promise you it would be worth it to not gratify that pleasure, instead to walk with God. You have no idea like the 36 men that lay dead around Achan. And who knows, Achan may have been one of the 3,000 at Ai. He may have been running for his life, watching his friends slaughtered. We don't know. But what we do know is that 36 other men were killed so that Achan could have wealth and treasure that he wanted. All right, church family, I want to ask you do you trust God? The next time you come to that crossroad, that moment where you have to make a decision of whether you want to satisfy some sinful pleasure, some carnal desire, no matter how simple or grand, but you've got to decide if you're going to honor the Lord. Or scratch that itch. I want to remind you that in Achan's story we see that there's more going on than you know. And I want to ask you, trust God. Because here, here's the tragic thing. The tragic thing is the only city that Achan couldn't take treasure from was Jericho. When Ai was conquered, you can have anything you want. Hazor, anything you want. Shechem, anything. Help yourself. Here's the thing, for an awful lot of us, we're not satisfied with God's timing. Like God, God's telling us, I will bless you, and we say no. God says, I want you to follow my instructions, I want you to wait, I'll give you a wife, I'll give you a husband, I'll let you have a family. But we're 19 and we don't want to wait. We want to satisfy our pleasures. We take whomever we want, we live with whomever we want, and we just assume that God doesn't care. But the truth of the matter is if you can just wait, delayed gratification, if you can put off that gratification, that desire for a minute, and give God time to unfold your future, you're going to find that He had more blessings for you than you would ever achieve with your impatience. But the question is, do you trust God? I want to read a quote from David Howard, a professor of mine from seminary. Great man, I love him. This is what he said about Achan's sin. He said, you know, ironically and tragically for Achan, God allowed the Israelites to take booty in the next victory at the second battle of Ai. He could have had anything he wanted if he'd only waited on God. But, like Adam and Eve, he lost sight of the character of our generous God. And he thought that satisfaction required taking. Achan's greed was his downfall." Let me ask you this. Do you trust God or do you think, you know what, God's not going to make me happy. If I want to be happy in this life, I'm going to have to take what I want. The critical fundamental question of Aiken's story is this. Do you trust the character of God? So that when you come to that crossroads and you say, God has told me no, do you trust that he said no for the right reasons? Do you believe that he was wise and just and right? Because I'll tell you this, there would be a thousand families in the Pine Belt that would be blessed today if 20 years ago they had said no to a pleasure and yes to God. And that's you today. Do you trust the generous character of our loving God? Do you trust Him so that the next time you come to that crossroad where you have to decide between your pleasure, what you want right now, Versus his command and his love for you, will you choose him? Do you have the strength and the courage to resist the next temptation that comes your way so that you don't walk in the footsteps of Achan? Can you ask God today for the strength and the courage to say yes to the living God and no to the next temptation that woos you away from him? A couple of lessons from this one first one I want to ask everybody to focus on is this. Church family, don't let your desires destroy your relationship with God. Like In modern church life, we've rejected the holiness of God and His jealousy over us. And we've diminished His commands to the point that we act like it doesn't matter if we offend God or His commands. We, we act like he'll be present with us and he'll bless us no matter what we do. And that is not the story of Ai. When people rejected God, he stepped back and let them have themselves. But that's not what I want or you. I want God to bless me. I want him with my family. I, want, I need his help. But I can't pretend that his spirit is going to come and back me up and support me and lead me forward if I am offending him at every turn. Don't let your sinful desires destroy your walk with God. Not in college, not in high school, not as a young parent, not as a grandparent. Don't let your desires for comfort or pleasure or wealth or popularity separate you from the God who loves you. And there will be moments when you think, well, this seems silly. I promise you Aiken thought it was silly to take those things to the temple. There will be moments When your decision to stand on the commands and character of God seem foolish to you, but that testing of your faith may very well be the thing that safeguards you and keeps you near to His heart and keeps you from falling in love with the things of the world. Second lesson from this one, your sin affects everybody around you, and so does mine. My sin affects my children and my wife. My sin affects my church. And so does yours. Like, Let's stop thinking that our sinful choices are no big deal. And let's return to a beautiful life, walking step for step with the Lord. Your life would be better. I promise. If you were walking with Christ and did not have that desire that you think you've got to satisfy. Third thing I see here is that I promise you, God has got a better solution for sin than this. Achan sat in the shadows, watched himself be discovered and uncovered. He was destroyed and his whole family with him. That's a sad and terrible thing. But I promise you, God did exactly what he told Achan and the Israelites that he would do. God said, don't take anything. Achan said, I don't think so. God called Achan's bluff and it turns out God's not bluffing. God is holy but he's wise and good. He has told us everything we need. And I'll say this, even today as we sit here and we think, wow, that's a hard thing that happened to Achan. Yes, it is, and it is on Achan. It was his choice to rebel from God. But I've got to ask us this, knowing Achan's story, are there any of us today that would stand here and say, Ben, I know that I'm far from God, and I know that the cross of Jesus Christ was given to me so that on the death and resurrection of Jesus, my sins can be washed away, and I can be made right with God. And Ben, today, I'm taking God at His word. I believe that I must call the name of the Lord to be saved, and I'm ready for that. I'm not running anymore. I'm not hiding anymore. Today I stand and I want to be strong and courageous. I want to stop hiding. I want to stop running. I want to give my life to God Almighty today and forever. Is there anybody here today that wants to receive God's better solution for our sins? God doesn't want us to be separated away from His presence. God wants to be with you and near you and working through you. But you've got to deal with our sin problem. And the solution for sin is that God came as Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity God. God came to us and died on the cross so that He could take our punishment. And He has made a way so that no one ever again should have to die for their sins in the way that Achan was punished. And I want to ask you today, have you asked Jesus Christ to forgive your sins? Have you trusted that God was serious when He told us? that we should choose Him and not our sin. Today, I want to ask you to respond to this sermon and this hour of worship. You've sung your confessions to the Lord. We've, we've heard a story, a crazy story, about a man who ran from God and ran to sinful desires. We've all seen this work out in our own lives a thousand times. We understand it's true. And Today, I'm asking you, is there anybody in the church today who wants to say, you know what, Ben, I realize that right now, I've, I've lived my life in such a way that God is far from me and far from my family, and I'm ready to stop that. Today, I, I want to ask God to return. Today, I want to follow Jesus Christ. Today, now, and forever. This running, it's over. I belong to the Lord beginning today. Is there anybody here today that wants to give their life to Jesus Christ? Because if you do, then here's what I want to say. I'm standing down here. In just a moment, we'll stand and we'll be singing together. The altar is open for prayer. Come and pray. Pray for family members. Pray for yourself. Lift up our church in prayer. But if you are far from the Lord today, you can stand right where you are or you can come to the altar or you can come to me and I'll pray with you. But let's pray together and ask that God restore you. Confess your sin now. Stop hiding and running from God. Let Him free you and forgive you. And I'll say this, if there's anybody today that's never asked Jesus for salvation today's the day. Come down, come see me. Let me share with the church that you are ready to give your life to Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father, it's been good to read in the scripture that you're wise and you're holy. It's good, Father, for us to see that we're not the only ones who have wrestled, Lord, with making possessions or popularity or fame or pleasure more important than your character and your name. But Father, I do pray that you'd give us the strength in your Holy Spirit, the courage to run to you and be free of our sins, that we would not live our entire life hiding from you. Father, I pray that you help us not walk in the footsteps of Achan anymore, but that we would have the courage, Lord, to come back to you, to let your Spirit fill us and fill your presence again, to know that we're blessed as we move forward with you. We ask for your grace over our church as we look for the courage to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.